All right. Thank you again for being here. We're looking forward to having Brother Hamlin. Great messages yesterday, and I hope you were encouraged and challenged. And we're looking for more of that tonight. And so I hope your hearts are open to what God has for you. Let's give him another warm welcome as he comes to preach to us. Open your Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. This is a marvelous Monday night crowd, and we certainly thank the Lord for each of you that are here. And I have a good number of uh, friends and family that are watching by way of internet. And uh, why don't you, what, which camera are we using? Would you wave at me which camera straight ahead? All right, this is what I want you to do. Uh, if you're in these couple sections, let's wave at them. Can you do that? Can we wave it? No, you got to turn around and look at the camera. <laughs> we That's funny and you're letting on. We appreciate those that are tuned in. And if you're watching by way of internet, you send us $5, we'll send you a vial of holy water. Not really, but I've always wanted to do that. Gospel of John, chapter 21. Marvelous Monday night crowd. We thank the Lord for each of you that are here. And I, like uh, my new friend, Brother Myers, am very mindful that there's any myriad of places you could be on a Monday night. But here you are in the house of God with the people of God getting ready to hear the word of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being in the service tonight. I want to encourage you to be back with us tomorrow night. I uh, kind of melancholy in saying it. Uh, I never use the word melancholy, but when I think about a girl in high school that I dated, she had a head like a melon <laughs> and a face like a collie. But uh, welcome to the winter revival meeting. But uh, uh, tomorrow night, the Lord being my helper, I'll be preaching on the subject, just keep Plowing. You don't want to miss the service tomorrow night. Just keep plowing. An extremely encouraging message, and you'll want to be in your place and do your best to bring someone with you. As you're turning to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, I hope that you will stop by the book table. On the book table, there is the message, Get You On to the Great Men. I don't know why it is, but we're living in a day where in the golf world, you can talk about uh, Sam Sneed, and in the uh, literature world, you can talk about William Shakespeare, and in the hockey world, you can talk about Wayne Gretzky, and in the uh, football world, you can talk about, uh, oh, uh, Mike Ditka, and uh, then you go to the fundamental world, and if you say uh, Tom Malone or Lee Robertson or... Um, Carl Hatch, uh, someone hollers man worship. Now that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it is not a stretch of a statement to say that between both uh, Brother Myers and I, we know thousands of independent, fundamental Baptist preachers, thousands, and not one is a man worshiper. Not one. That is a straw man argument. And if they can talk about William Shakespeare in the literature world, and so on and so on and so on. You better believe we can talk about those giants that are in glory that uh, have provided so much that we experience and enjoy. That doesn't make us a man worshiper, not at all. You gotta be smoking hymn book pages to say something <laughs> that foolish. Uh, but uh, it was with that thought that I preached this message, get you onto the great men. And you'll find it interesting, Brother Myers, it uh, appeared on the front page of the sword of the Lord. And when it did, it literally started a internet firestorm. And my intimate friend, Dr. Shelton Smith, received uh, several letters demanding an apology on the front page for the sermon. Well, when I heard it got that kind of response, I turned the article into a message that I just preached with me, uh, carried with me and preached all across the country get you under the great men. And then Dr. Smith called me one day and he said, we're taking so much flack on that article that we've decided to put it in the sword pamphlet series. So here it is. And I say that, say this, if you see anything of mine in print, would you please write hateful letters because that's how I get my stuff published right there. And I deal with what our attitude ought to be towards the giants that are gone. Get you on to the great men. Men, 
In the back of the uh, message, there's an added feature in that uh, I wrote on uh, a divine appointment with a great man. The last time that evangelist B.R. Lakin preached in the state of Michigan, the last time I was 17 years of age, had just been saved and called to preach, and I had the privilege of having lunch with that great evangelist. When he found out that I'd just gotten saved and called to preach, he literally, Brother Myers, rearranged the seating at the restaurant table and put me right next to him. He was 80 plus years of age. And for a solid hour, he was in my ear and he made seven statements that live with me tonight. There's hardly a month that goes by, but what either myself or Mrs. Hamlin will quote one of those statements one to another. Things like uh, learn to preach the gospel. Things like stay off hobby horses. Uh, things like uh, if you don't want to uh, be criticized, don't know anything, don't have anything, don't do anything. Things like uh, if they're kicking you from behind, it only goes to prove you got the lead. And so as an added feature, there is that in the message, get you under the great men. And if you'll get it tonight, I will throw in the card 40 tremendous truths learned in 40 years. When I marked our 40th year in evangelism, I took a pen and a legal pad and just scratched down 40 things that I trust that I've learned in 40 years. Also, on the book table, there is the message, the religion of the new card. You say, what is the new card? Well, it's a bad Bible, bad methodology, bad music, bad associations, bad, bad, bad. And wherever I preach, no matter how small the town, how large the city, within driving distance of where I'm preaching is a new cart church. This was published by the Sword of the Lord a number of years ago. In fact, uh, I was talking to Mrs. Hamlin some time ago and we were making my funeral arrangements. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm in extremely good health. But uh, I just told her who was to preach. And I told her I want a revival atmosphere at that home-going celebration. I told her who's to be the pallbearers. And then I told her before the preacher gets up to preach, I want her to play me preaching on CD, the religion of the new cart. Now, it's my funeral, and if I want to preach at my funeral, it's my business. Because I want to get my licks in one more time before they throw dirt on me that I'm 100% opposed, 100% opposed to the drift of the contemporary movement that's going on even in our fundamental churches. Also uh, on the book table is the book, uh, Ask the Evangelist, and uh, this is a question and answer book. And uh, I've known people that uh, have gotten it and used it uh, as a Bible study because all the questions that are asked are answered uh, mostly and mainly with the Bible. And so I hope that you'll stop by the book table tonight. Gospel of John, chapter 21. And I'll take but one verse of scripture for our text, and it will be verse number six. Gospel of John, chapter 21, and verse number six. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the word of God. Now, since uh, November of last year, Brother Myers, I've been making a PSA in all of my services, all of my meetings. I've been having, Brother Esposito Jr., a PSA. Who would raise their hand, main floor, balcony, balcony, main floor? Who would raise their hand and say, I know what a PSA is? A public service announcement. And since November of last year, now over a year, uh, close to a year and a month, just a handful of days, I've been making this PSA in all of my meetings and feel that I need to do it again tonight. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take your Bible and hold your Bible up as high as you can. Will you do that? As high as you can. Hold your Bible up. And here is the PSA. We are not transitioning on gender or God's holy word. <laughs> I am John Hamblin, and I most definitely approve of this message. Gospel of John, chapter 21. And I'll take but one verse of scripture for our text, and it will be verse number six. John 21, 6. And he said unto them, cast the net 
on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they're not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. There's a phrase in this verse that I've underlined in my Bible. You may want to underscore in yours, and it's the phrase, cast the net on the right side of the ship. Do you see it? There it is, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, the right side isn't the left side. And the left side isn't the right side. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the word of God. If it on my heart, I <coughs> want to be a blessing. But the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the, stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect <coughs> my precious family as I'm away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from tonight. Lord, I request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. When it comes to the work of God, even with all of its many facets and features, there are really only two focal points, the correct position or the incorrect posture. The Christian and the church must always have the discernment to come down on the side that heaven sanctions if they're to know heaven's smile. Well, fundamentalism offers the amen of the Christ. It is liberalism that offers the applause of the crowd. The right side isn't the left side. And the left side isn't the right side. In the Gospel of John, chapter 21, we find Christ's directed service brings divine success. Now, I would challenge you not this moment, oh, but before you pillow your head, to go back to John chapter 21 and to read carefully and prayerfully the 25 verses that make up this chapter because that is its topic, that is its theme, that is its truth. Christ's directed service brings divine success. Now, this chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. Jesus, the stranger, verses 1 through 4. Jesus, the master, verses 5 through 8. Jesus, the host, verses 9 <coughs> through 14. Jesus, the shepherd, verses 15 through 17. And then Jesus, the Lord, verses 18 through 25. It is well the Apostle John is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with Jesus the Master that a person sees the deliberate, oh my, and decisive instruction that the lovely Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. Verse 6, and he said unto them, don't miss it, cast the net 
on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. One Bible student, Brother Esposito Jr., now in heaven for many years once wrote about our text, when Jesus takes charge, failure is turned into success and the difference was only the width of the ship. There are at least five favorable things that the scripture clearly states are on the right side. Savior seated next to the heavenly father on the right side. Luke 22, 69. Sheep on the right side. Matthew 25, 33. Safety on the right side. Psalm 89, 13. Satisfaction on the right side. Psalm 16, 11. And from our text, uh, service on the right side, John 21, 6. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that prince of preachers, may have put it best, and instead of using two sides of a ship, he selects the image of two roads when he said, we have come to a turning point in the road. If we turn to the right, mayhap our children and our children's children will go that way. But if we turn to the left, generations yet unborn will curse our names for having been unfaithful to God and to his word. Never forget, while many insist on doing the work of God from the left side of the ship because it seems palatable to the culture, there still are some, and I'm preaching to a church full of them tonight in Long Beach, California, there still are some that insist on doing the work of God from the right side of the ship because it is surely more pleasurable to the Christ. Now, if you miss everything that I preach tonight, I pray that you would not miss that. And it even bears repeating, well, many, well, many, well, many insist on doing the work of God from the left side of the ship because it seems more palatable to the culture. There still are some that insist on doing the work of God from the right side of the ship because it is surely more pleasurable to the Christ. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, need to decide that we're going to stick, that we're going to stick. We need to decide that we're going to stick to serving God from the right side of the ship. Now quickly tonight, there are several. There are several tremendous things <coughs> that stand out from simply serving the Savior on the right side. And they're all found here in John chapter 21. Let's quickly notice it tonight. And you may want to take out a pencil in somewhere in your Bibles, write these things down. But my, how it would be far better if God were to take an eternal pen and write these things upon my heart and upon your heart as well. The right side isn't the left side and the left side isn't the right side. Number one, the adherence. Verse six, and he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find they cast therefore. A tremendous thing that stands out from simply serving the Savior from the right side is the adherence. In verse six, the apostle John tells us that the lovely Lord Jesus Christ tells his disciples which side of the ship to throw their net and they take at this point the stranger's advice on the shore in switching fishing spots. Brother Ross, this single act went 100% against their fishing profession, their fishing practice, their fishing prejudice, and even their fishing pedigree. Tune in, tune in the three words they cast therefore is the marked difference between barrenness and blessing, existing and excelling, oh my, and even average and abounding. Evangelist Oliver B. Green once wrote about this scene in the scriptures when we obey the Lord and seek his will for our lives. We will be successful in the undertaking he assigns us to do. 
He went on to write, it may be in the business world, it may be in the ministry, fishing for the souls of men, but wherever he leads, if we follow his leadership and trust him for the outcome, we can count on blessing and outstanding results. Let a person put their ear to this Bible page and they will hear these disciples sweetly singing in a heavenly harmony when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Don't just be King James Bible only, but be King James Bible only and obedient as well. Friend, you and I need to decide that we're sticking to serving God from the right side of the ship because of the adherence. The Bible says in Jeremiah 7, 23, but this thing command I them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and ye should be my people and walk in all the ways that I've commanded you that it may be well unto you. Breaking news, all three members of the Trinity aren't looking for those that will sit on an advisory board telling them all that's wrong with the word of God, the will, <coughs> the will, the will of God or the way of God, but all three members of the Trinity are looking for those that would simply do their best to follow the last thing that God has said to them 24 short hours ago off the pages of the Bible. You see, the right side isn't the left side and the left side isn't the right side because on the right side there is the adherence. When Ananias Judson graduated from college and seminary, he received a call from a fashionable church in Boston to become its assistant pastor. Everyone congratulated him. His mother and sister rejoiced that he could live at home with them and do his life's work But Judson shook his head. My work is not here, he said. God is calling me beyond the seas to stay here even to serve God in his ministry. I feel, I feel would only be partial obedience and I could not be happy in that. Although it cost him a great struggle, he left mother and sister to follow the heavenly call. Oh, Brother Myers, the fashionable church in Boston still stands rich and strong, but Judson's churches in Burma have 50,000 converts and the influence of his consecrated life is felt around the world. On a strictly personal note, when preaching a college commencement, I had the privilege of shaking a young man's hand who graduated from a Bible institute that Adonai Judson had started. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm trying to say that the right side isn't the left side and the left side isn't the right side because on the right side, there is the adherence. Number two, I know when it gets stuck here, number two, the abundance. Look at it, verse six. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. A tremendous thing that stands out from simply serving the Savior from the right side is the abundance. In verse six, verse six, the apostle John, <coughs> the apostle John tells us that the lovely Lord Jesus Christ teaches those disciples then and every disciple thereafter the lifelong lesson that heaven does not scowl but smiles on those who do it the correct way. If a person should doubt that for even a second, verse eight, follows up with further substantial evidence from this divine narrative, dragging the net with fishes. Put this in the mental filing cabinet of your mind. When the Lord directs our service, there are no more empty nets. Friend, you and I, need to decide that we're sticking to serving God from the right side of the ship because of the abundance. 
Now there are several things that these fish represent in this story to, to the serving <coughs> the serving saint. And when I say the serving saint, I'm not talking about those that come hit and a miss and they miss more than they hit. Uh, when I say the serving saint, I'm not talking about the, uh, oh, pardon me while I preach for a moment, the CEO church member. You say, Dr. Hamlin, what's a CEO church member? Christmas and Easter only. A CEO church member. There's some people that wouldn't recognize the church unless it was decorated in Easter lilies and Christmas poinsettias. I like what I heard an old black preacher say one time. He said, sometimes only people that come to church are those that are hatched, matched, and dispatched. I'll let you catch up. And so when I talk about the serving saint, I'm not talking about those that uh, are sporadic or uh, spasmodic in their service, uh, but I'm talking about you that are in this revival meeting tonight that serve the Lord sincerely and serve the Lord seriously. Thank God for you. Well, there are several things that these fish in this story represent to the serving saint, first of all, souls. Matthew 4, 19, and he saith unto them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. A thing that these fish represent in this story to the serving saint are our souls. Uh, no such thing as being a follower of the Savior without also being a fisher of souls. They represent souls. Secondly, stats. <laughs> now, before you say a negative word, note verse 11, 153. Before you say a negative word, note verse 11, 153. Did I mention before you say a negative word, note verse number 11, 153. You see, what fish represent that the serving saint is stats. 1 Samuel 14, 6, for there's no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. A thing that these fish represent to the serving saint is stats. The same God who reached one can also reach 101. In other words, what I'm trying to say is there is no catch limit with God. God doesn't have, Brother Myers, you know it, a heavenly game warden that says when you go out soul winning, well, you caught five, but you gotta throw back two. Hello? You caught seven, but you gotta throw back one. I said that the other night preaching in a meeting. I said, hello. And a lady on the back row said, goodbye. And got up and walked out. <laughs> Couldn't believe Mrs. Hamlin did that to me. I could not believe that she did that to me. You see, these fish represent stats. And hang on to your seat for a moment. It is the crowd that doesn't have a crowd that's critical about those of us who try to get a crowd. People say, well, it's not about the numbers. Really? Not about the numbers. God doesn't have a book in the Bible called Not About the Numbers. But God does have a book in the Bible called Numbers. Oh, if you were to say to me, how many grandchildren do you have? And I were to say, oh, it's not about the numbers. If you were to say, Dr. Hamlin, how many grandchildren do you have? Well, we have less than five and we have more than three. But you know, it's not about the numbers. No, if you ask me how many grandchildren that Mrs. Hamlin and I have been blessed with, I would tell you we have four. There's Madison and there's Mason and there's Heaven and there's Brooklyn. In fact, I would pull my phone out and show you 712 pictures just from last week of our grandchildren. And you know, through the years, you have bored me with pictures of your grandchildren so now it's my turn to bore you with pictures of my grandchildren. <laughs> you ask somebody who's a sportsman, a, for instance, a deer hunter, how many points does that Bambi have? <laughs> that tells that I'm not a hunter. But if you were to say, how many points does Bambi have? Oh, it's not about the numbers. It's interesting to me 
You, you can brag about your lion, tiger, and bear, oh my. And I'm not against that per se, but you, you can brag about that. But if, if we brag about people being born again, if we give the honor <coughs> and the glory to the Lord about people that are getting saved, it's amazing to me, you can brag all day long about how many fish and how many uh, deer and, and how many mice and I don't know what else you're chasing and capturing, I, I don't know. But it's amazing to me that when we have somebody saved or, or like you recently had a big day uh, with I believe 1,400 and God bless you preacher, I'm for that to the hundredth power. It is amazing to me that it's the crowd that doesn't have a crowd that's always critical of those of us who are trying to get a crowd. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You say it's not about the numbers, really? Really, not about the numbers, okay. And then at the end of the week, you let me have your paycheck. And we'll go ahead and chop off a couple zeros on the back end and we'll see if it's really about the numbers or not. It's interesting to me, verse number 11, 153, that, that, that's in the King James Bible, neighbor. Verse number 11, 153. Sounds like a big day to me. Verse number 11, 153. That sounds like the Lord wasn't frowning on that. It sounds like he was favorable to that. You see a thing that these fish represent in this story to the serving saint is stats. Thirdly, sustenance. Is, sustenance is Matthew 15, 36. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples. You see, a thing that these fish represent to the serving saint is sustenance. God will often himself set the table for the Christians and churches that are in the fishing business. Boy, I wonder how many times in the history of the Pacific Baptist Church here in Long Beach, California, I wonder how many times that there's been an unexpected bill I wonder how many times that there's been an unplanned need and before we could even pray about it, before it could ever be announced, before we could ever put it on the church prayer list, it just seems like God, oh my, opens a, a hole in heaven and drops into the lap the very thing that this church needs. You know why? I believe God will put the angels in heaven on half rations to take care of that Christian and to take care of that church that's in the soul-saving business. Stats. I think about during the coronavirus crisis, which morphed quickly into coronavirus craziness. Now, now I realize there's something to it. I do. I had friends that passed away from it. I realize there's something to it, but at the same time, you'd have to agree that it's been exaggerated that it's been politicized, that it's been weaponized, say amen right there. <clears throat> you don't have to agree with that. But during that coronavirus crisis, I, Brother Myers, my spring calendar was decimated. I mean, the bottom fell out. And I told Mrs. Hamlin, who's watching, appreciate baby tuning in tonight. I told Mrs. Hamlin at the start of it, I said, you know what? I have not preached victory all these years to live in defeat now. And Brother Gary, I didn't send, out, didn't send out one text. I didn't send out one email. I didn't make one telephone call. Didn't send out one letter. With the bottom of my calendar literally falling out and meeting after meeting after meeting being canceled, every bill was paid. There was gas for the Myers in two vehicles. There was food in the refrigerator and food in the pantry. And please don't say amen here, but I came out of that thing weighing more than I went into it. I told you not to say amen and some of you still did. Sustenance is God will absolutely take care of those that, uh, that are giving it their all to see people saved. I remember I, I got a letter in the mail that, that first week of, uh, of the coronavirus crisis and um, 
meetings were being canceled and I went to the mailbox. I never go to the mailbox, but I was home so I could go to the mailbox and I got a letter that was addressed to me and I took it in the house and I opened it. And when I opened it, Brother Gary, there was a large check that, that, that dropped out of it and I read the letter and the letter said, Dr. Hamblin, I'm sure you could use this and you've been such a blessing to me through the years. I just want to be a blessing to you. And a lady outside of Dallas, Texas had signed that letter. And Brother Gary, it dawned on me when I saw that name that that dear lady is deaf and she's never heard my voice. But she was the first one to send something. You know why? Uh, he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a great God. And if you and I will stay after souls, uh, I promise you, he'll take care of you. Every single time, sustenances. Oh, that every person that is in this service <coughs> and watching by way of internet would realize that the fish in this story represents souls and stats and, and sustenances. Back in 2017, I flew into Chicago Midway Airport late on a Saturday night. I was to start a revival meeting the next day at the Bible Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana where Dr. Hebert Rodriguez is the pastor. Brother Myers, I've given Dr. Rodriguez a nickname. I called him the young Hispanic Lee Robertson. That's some kind of a nickname. And it was my first time to be with Dr. Rodriguez and I flew in late on a Saturday night and he picked me up at the Chicago Midway Airport and he took me uh, to get a bite to eat and then he said, Dr. Hamlin, before I take you to the motel and drop you off, I, I'd just like to take you by the church and show you the church. This is your first time here. And I said, man, I'd love to see it, Brother Rodriguez. And so we went by the church and uh, he pulled into the parking lot and I happened to, happened to notice uh, uh, that on the church sign, it said big day for the start of our meeting. When I asked him about it, Brother Myers, he said with tears in his eyes, Dr. Hamlin, for many weeks now our church has been praying around the clock and working hard to see our attendance record broken tomorrow morning and our goal is 400 people. I thought to myself, now I know you visitors from heaven don't think this way, but I'm not a visitor from heaven. But I thought to myself, if there's two weekends you don't want to have a big day, it's the weekend of your mother-in-law's birthday and Memorial Day weekend. And it was Memorial Day weekend that we were to start that revival meeting. And I turned in my seat and I looked that man of God in the eyes and I said, I'm gonna believe God with you that we're gonna see that attendance record broken. And in less than 12 hours, I stood to preach at the Bible Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, and they had crammed into that auditorium 424 people and there were 31 people that had trusted Christ that morning Listen, the right side isn't the left side and the left side isn't the right side because on the right side, there is the abundance. And then number three, and last of all, my time's gone. Not only the adherence, would you look at the text? Cast the net on the right side of the ship. Isn't that interesting? No Barnum pole, no Barnum study. And by the way, I'm not interested in Barnum. I'm interested in Bible. No demographic report. No what is it that people like and what is it that people don't like and we'll just stick a wet finger to the wind and say, no, 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 no. That King James Bible says the right side. The right side, the right side. Isn't that amazing? Oh, we've got a crowd that is forever asking for a Bible verse. And I found that you give them one Bible verse and they want another one. 
And then you give them 10, and they want another one. And then you give them 24, and they, then they want another one. And I'm not saying, uh, don't, don't, don't misrepresent what I'm going to say right here, and don't twist it. Uh, and if you do, I'll pray that the lice of a thousand camels infest your armpits before morning. But uh, I believe in giving people, I mean, what, I'm preaching the Bible right now. Duh, uh, but there's a crowd uh, that uh, you give them one Bible verse, they want another Bible verse and another Bible verse and you could give them 400 Bible verses, they still wouldn't be happy. I'm gonna shock you and say the answer to many things is just simply this, the right side. The right side. The right side. Well, why do we have to have a winter revival meeting? The right side. Well, well, why is it that you can't be on the platform at the Pacific Baptist Church uh, looking like an escapee from a nudist colony? The right side. Well, why is it that uh, men need to look like gentlemen, ladies need to look like ladies, and that is in the Bible. But let me just say to you, the right side, the right side, the right side. And there's a crowd that they want Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse, but why don't you go ahead and put this in your pipe and smoke it? The right side, the right side, the right side. <laughs> On the right side, there's the adherence. On the right side, there's the abundance. And then number three, and last of all, and I've been looking forward to this third point since the Lord laid the message on my heart, the appearance Verse seven, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. A tremendous thing that stands out from simply serving uh, the Savior from the right side is the appearance in verse seven. The apostle John tells us that the lovely Lord Jesus Christ reveals his presence uh, and is the direct result of his disciples responding, oh my to his revealed plan. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. Verse six. Now this is not the most profound thing that you've ever heard a preacher say, but it's true nonetheless. You can't get to verse seven unless you go through verse six. Preach on, Dr. Hamlin. I said, you can't get to verse seven unless you go through verse number six. A person must bear in mind that the disciples' presence brings with it the power of conviction because as soon as Brother John shouts, who's here? Brother Peter scurried to put his clothes back on and then jumps into the sea to hide his stark nakedness. Sidebar, both the work of the Lord and even the worship of the Lord dramatically changes when there is the discernment that we're with the Lord. Look at our text, verse six, John 21. And he said unto them, cast the net on any side you want. No. Cast the net on whatever you think is pragmatic. That's just a real fancy word for compromise. And he said unto them, cast the net on the Let's do a study and find out what Barnum thinks. No. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. <laughs> One Bible student now in heaven for many years once wrote, about this spot in the scriptures, silvery wonders were still coming up from the deep. The bottom of the boats were covered with piles of flopping fish and they were getting larger. But, Brother Myers, I must add that the attention, as wonderful as that is, needs to move from the miracle to the manifestation, oh my, of the master on the shore. Now I'll be quick to tell you that I love the miracle. Man, I love it. And I love the abundance. I don't apologize for the abundance. I'm a, a promoter of the abundance, but I'm here to tell you there's something greater than the miracle. 
and there's something greater than the abundance and what's greater than the miracle and greater than the abundance. You know what's greater? It's the, it's the manifestation of the master. It is the appearance. That's what's greater. Oh, friend, you and I need to decide that we're sticking to serving God from the right side of the ship because of the appearance, the Bible says in Acts 17, 27, and they should seek the Lord if happily that they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. It's this preacher's firm belief that if we could get God's people to value the presence of the Lord in their service, it would absolutely revolutionize their service. I think about the great job Brother Nick does in leading the choir and the special music. And boy, he led that first hymn about heaven. And I sensed the presence of the Lord, and you did too. And then that ladies' ensemble came out, and they blessed our hearts. And then uh, the preacher, the preacher's wife's son, got up and sang, and I mean that was awesome. Cow jumped over the moon, and I did too. And then we drove up on the property. Brother um, Ross brought me tonight, and I mean just just driving on the property. I sensed God, but I have to let you know something. Tonight is not the first time that I've enjoyed his presence today. Now thank God for Brother Nick and thank God for the ladies ensemble and thank God for the pastor and pastor's wife's son and thank God for you being here. But I gotta let you know something. I sensed his presence in my devotions this morning. If we could just get the people of God, if we just could get the people of God to there realize that there's nothing like the Lord stepping in uh, to our personal Bible reading time, the Lord stepping into our prayer closet, the Lord stepping in to a soul winning contact, the Lord stepping in to a prayer meeting, the Lord stepping in to a preaching service, the Lord stepping in to an altar call, the Lord stepping in to just one block in the car for a run to the grocery store, the Lord stepping in. If we could just get the people of God to enjoy his presence, it would absolutely revolutionize your Christian life. As wonderful as this service is, I have to say I feel sorry for you if this is the first time you've sensed his presence today. Boy, you ever read your Bible and you come to a passage, not in a haughty or high-minded way, but you come to a passage that you're pretty familiar with, you think. And you start to read it, and all of a sudden as you're reading it, it's like there's a light that turns on behind it. And you see things out of that verse and out of that chapter that have been there since the page was wet with ink. But it's the first time you've seen it. You know what happened? The Lord stepped in to that Bible reading. You ever been in your prayer closet and it comes time to close in prayer and for lack of a better way of putting it, um, Brother Myers, it's time to unplug and you don't want to. And so you pray a little bit longer and you pray a little bit longer and you pray a little bit longer, and, and I don't mean in a spooky way, but you get to the end of the prayer time, and, and you've prayed a little bit longer because this presence is, oh my, been so rich and so real, and you almost, you almost are afraid to open your eyes because of what you might say. I'm not talking about spooky. I just mean his presence is so real. What happened? He stepped into that prayer closet. But Snyder, Brother Myers, young preachers in the college, there's nothing like preparing a message and putting your pen down and looking at the outline and thinking to yourself, I'm not smart enough to do that right there. What happened? 
the Lord stepped in. You're witnessing to someone in a scripture that you didn't even think you knew. You quote perfect, even better than Alexander Scorby. <laughs> what happened? The Lord stepped in to that witness. I'm not using myself as any common example, but there have been times I've preached close to the house and I'll jump in the car and drive to the service and I'll take my Bible and just put it in the passenger seat. All of a sudden, the presence of the Lord gets so real that I'll grab that Bible and I'll say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have asked you if I could put that in your lap before I just put it there. I'm not talking about spooky. I'm just talking about when we sense his presence in a real way. People are always talking about burnout. I don't want to burn out. Most of the people that say they don't want to burn out have never been on fire to start with. Oh, bow your head. We're nowhere near closing in prayer time. But you don't keep you from so-called burnout when the Lord steps into your Bible reading time, when the Lord steps into your prayer time, when the Lord steps into the pulpit with you, when the Lord steps into that soul winning time, it'll absolutely revolutionize your Christian life. And I'll tell you this, if you enjoy Brother Nick now, you, you wait till you enjoy the Lord by yourself. And then you hear Brother Nick. Right side. Right side. Right side. Well, what about the left side? I don't know anything about the left side. All I know is the best is on the right. I'm not looking that way. I'm not leaning that way. I'm not listening that way. There's too much good on the right side to wonder or worry about the left side. The appearance. I'm closing with this. They tell me in Westminster Abbey there's a monument and memorial to the two preacher brothers, John and his brother Charles Wesley. And on that memorial they have taken three of John Wesley's most famous, famous quotes, and they've put them on that memorial. One is, I look on all the world as my parish. Another is, God buries his work, but his workmen, but God continues his work. <clears throat> and the third was when he uttered from his deathbed. And keep in mind, if we were to go to Westminster Abbey tonight, we would find there this monument, this memorial, where statesmen and kings and queens are buried. Winston Churchill is buried there, Westminster Abbey. They have this monument, this memorial, memorial to John and Charles Wesley. And then they got those three famous statements of John Wesley. Uh, the world is my parish. God buries uh, his workmen, but he doesn't bear the work. And then this statement, the best of all, God is with us. They tell me that Brother Myers, that statement was made, that last one, by John Wesley when he was on his deathbed. And family and friends have gathered around that the deathbed of John Wesley, and with ebbing strength, he raises himself up off of the deathbed, and he begins to wave his right arm, and John Wesley begins to shout, the best of all, God is with us. The best of all, God is with us. The best of all, God is with us. John Wesley graduated to glory. That's awesome. But I'm here to tell you that that does not have to be at the finish line of our life. As wonderful as that is and as glorious as that is, we don't have to wait to the finish line to say the best of all, God is with us. 
But oh my, in our Bible reading, uh, in our soul winning, uh, in our preaching, in our serving, in our living for God, we can say the best of all, God is with us. Amen. That happens on the right side. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The right side isn't the left side. And the left side isn't the right side. I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed who could, who could lift their hand and say, Preacher, I know that I know that I know that I know and if I were to die right now, heaven is my eternal home. I'm saved and sure. Main floor, balcony, balcony, main floor. You lift your hand and leave it. Saved and sure. Saved and sure. Saved and sure. God bless you. Thank you. you may put them down. Here tonight, and you couldn't raise your hand, but you would lift it now, and by raising it, he would say, I need to be saved, and I need to trust Christ. And preacher, I, I, don't, I don't, you may be watching my wave internet. You've tried several times to log off, to jump off, but this is a divine appointment, and God, in his goodness and grace, has given this opportunity that you might be saved. You'd say, I need to trust Christ. You'd lift your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Need to be saved. Here tonight and as a Christian, you would say, makes sense now. I think I understand a little bit better why we do what we do here at the Pacific Baptist Church. And really, Dr. Hamlin, there are some things that Never thought about it that way. There's not 400 Bible verses for. But they're on the right side. And you'd lift your hand and say, tonight, God has spoken to my heart. God bless you there. All over, all over, all over, all over, up on the balcony, main floor, all over. God bless you. Maybe you're here tonight and need to get right with God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a prodigal. Maybe you're here tonight and you're backslidden, all oh, whatever it is. Tonight can be the night that you get right with God. You lift your hand and say, pray for me. God bless you there. Others need to just old-fashioned get right with God. God bless you there. We stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the kind attention of these, my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray that not one in any way would grieve, resist, or quench the Holy Ghost. May this be a time of great and glorious victory. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as our sister begins to play. These altars are open. the net on the right side. The adherence, the abundance, the appearance, all on the right side.
Myers March of this year, I was preaching in a conference. And I had preached this message. And after the service, two young preachers came to the book table separately. And they both said the same thing, not knowing what the other had said. And those two young men with tears in their eyes said, I never realized it was that big of a deal. And I've been going to a church that's leaning, listing left. But I'm going to leave and find a church that's right. Two young preachers in a service just like this. Those young men got my cell phone number and that next Sunday morning before the day was over, both of them texted me and said, we left that liberal church. We found a right church. It's a big deal, friend. It's a big deal. Jesus makes it a big deal. One more question with heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder, I'm not asking you to come to the altar, but I just wonder who'd lift their hand and say tonight, I understand some things a whole lot better about why we do what we do here. You'd lift your hand all over all over God bless you the right side isn't the left side and the left side isn't the right side 